Hello and welcome to our show, Only Human. Join us as we discuss topics of relationships, families, friends, and society in today's racially charged America as seen through our lenses as a married interracial couple. Hello and welcome to our show. Just before we get started, we apologize for any inconvenience in the sound. We understand that there may be some little hiccups, but um, just wanted to let you know we're going to get that sorted. And of course, nothing is perfect. So, um, yeah, just wanted to let you know. Okay. Uh, today, I wanted to start off with a memory that I have. It's a, it's a fairly recent one. It's just a couple of weeks old now, mm-hmm. uh, or actually a week old. Um, our son, Mikey, who is now 13, um, he came up to me one morning and he just looked at me and said, Dad, I just don't understand why uh, mm-hmm. so many white people hate black people. And he goes, I know you don't, <laughs> but why does that seem to happen? So as any parent, you know, when faced with a, a question like that, my first thought was, what am I going to tell him? So we just started talking about from the beginning. We went back to slavery. We went back to a time when, you know, black people were treated as less than human, that the white people of that time, in order to be able to live with themselves, I think, they, and justify what they were doing, these weren't really people, mm. you know. Black people weren't people, and they were, I think, you know, it made it easier for them to treat them in the deplorable ways that they did, breaking up families and, and uh, you know, making them work long, hard hours, giving them barely anything to eat, all the horrible things that were done, and, and not to mention the, the punishments, the whippings and the, the, the horrible things that were done to people in those times. So we talked about that. We talked about how after slavery was abolished that the same people who enslaved them found new ways to still make them second-class citizens through uh, different types of laws that were formed and and segregation through law enforcement at that time, uh, that they still were not treated as full humans. And that you know, through the civil rights movements of the 1960s, the late 50s, throughout the 60s, where, you know, people protested and tried to get, uh, from a legal sense, tried to get equal rights. And I told him, you know, through all of that, there were people who were for it and people who were against it. And still to this day, you know, you see it's bubbling up. And that's what I told him. I said, it's, it, there's a lot of hatred that bubbles up between whites and blacks because of just the fact that there are, there literally there are white people who, and I hear this all the time. I don't know if you hear it, Pam, mm-hmm. being that you are black, you, maybe people don't say this to you, but I hear it all the time and I see it in social media. The response that is, that happened over 200 years ago. They just need to get over it, move on with life. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, and that's easy to say. in different ways. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's easy for a white person to say, hey, get over it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but they don't want to put the other person's shoes on. They don't want to have the empathy to see, you know what, maybe it really does affect them still. Um, and, and, it, and it does, and we see that in society. We see that through law enforcement. We see that through the economic system. And 
I just tried to, you know, explain to Mikey, look, it's just, it's very complicated, but yet it's very simple in the fact that it, it has to do with the way people are treating other people. And he looked at me and he was like, yeah, he said, I, I kind of get that. Knowing everything that he knows and knowing where we have talked to him before about that, you know, it, it's not going to be as easy for him being that he's a young male that's black growing up in this country. There will be things that will, you know, be played against him and he's going to have to, to work really hard to get what he wants out of life. Uh, which most people do, but I think it's a lot more difficult, you know, in the black community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, with knowing all of that and knowing what he has ahead of him, he just looked at me and goes, you know, Dad, I just worry because I'm afraid that, you know, something's going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. And I looked at him for a minute and I was like, you know, here, here's this kid who, you know, he's the one that is going to be at a disadvantage. You know, I'm, I'm white in America and, you know. Hopefully we won't be. We're working to change that. Exactly. And, <laughs> and I, right. I've had to work hard Currently, for what I have, but not to the extent, at least I've had a chance to get to better myself. Mm. And there are a lot of people that grow up in poverty that never get that chance. And he, you know, even with all of the things that he sees that's going on, um, you know, he has enough compassion, so much compassion, that he was more worried mm-hmm. about me than he was worried about himself and what he's going to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And I thought at that moment, you know, that's something that he could teach a lot of people a lesson with that. And that is, you know, take a minute, step back, look at what someone else what they're going to need to have to go through, what they're going to experience, what they have experienced. He was doing that to me when, you know, I really don't have anything to worry about. And he still is compassionate enough. So that's something that, that came up for me. I mean, the thing is, too, I think a lot of, a lot can be learned through children and kids alike. I think... A lot of people, especially even the way that I grew up in our culture and dual cultures, um, in the African culture, a lot of the time too, you know, children are seen as obviously not having as much to say as the elders. Whereas I really believe that you can learn a lot more from kids most of the time than you can from adults because at least with what kids do is that they don't bring a lot of the baggage that they've experienced and hardships with that to taint decisions that they make. It's, it's as if sometimes with kids, they start again every time. And I think if there's one lesson we can learn from children, that's one of the things that we can learn is that when you come to a situation you are coming fresh and not bringing any baggage of experience from oneself or from hearing from someone else's experience, which is a lot of what happens now in terms of this problem that we face of racial inequality. Speaking to what you said about it, of what we hear, people saying, oh, well, you need to get over it. You know, that happened so long ago. Right. It happened so long ago, but 
obviously people are remembering things from way back when, when they could have an experience, a positive experience with a black person and then remember something that happened eons ago and, and take that experience rather than a positive experience they have with people of color, you know? Right, right. I mean, it's, it's a perspective issue for sure. Absolutely, it's all about perspective. And I think one thing to add to what you're saying about kids is, and I'm sure this is what you were saying too, but for me, I just look at a child, they, they look at it from their motivation is way different than what an adult's is. You know, yeah, genders. Yeah, most adults have an agenda. And a kid, most of the time it comes from an honest perspective. Mm -hmm. they're, they're telling you how they feel or how they see it. Mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know? And it has very little to nothing to do with politics. Right. Or economics. Oh, gosh, don't even bring that. Or any of that kind of thing. Any, right. We're, speaking of, so our episode today is called, um, it's about the taking a knee. Right. And obviously there was a lot of controversy as to how and why it started in the first place. But obviously in light of the current zeitgeist and what's happening now, that's been thrust back into the limelight and for good reason, for good bloody reason. You know, right, right. And you're seeing it. Well, the baseball season just started and several teams on opening day, mm -hmm. they performed uh, like a moment of silence. Uh, the, the Yankees and the, and the Nationals, they started their game. Uh, they had a black ribbon that mm -hmm. went around from first base to third base. And all the players on both sides of the dugouts came out and they held the ribbon uh, in a gesture of unity. They all knee they took a knee mm. they bowed for 20 25 seconds of silence and then they stood up and then they played the national anthem and then they played the game so wait the baseball mlb right mm -hmm. they you're saying they've come up with a way that they saying okay you can protest and not disrespect the anthem is this their solution do you think you know i don't know if they're doing that at every i know that they said that 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 they, those two teams did it, and I think the Dodgers and mm -hmm. whoever they played on opening day did the same thing. I'm not sure if every team did it because they didn't talk, say it in the article, but it just said those two teams or those two games were affected like that. So maybe do, that's something they're going to adopt. Do you think, though, that when people take a knee, that's disrespecting the national anthem? I personally don't think that, and I can go into my own views or whatever after you, but... What, what do you think to that? I, I don't think that it's disrespecting the country. Um, if you look at where the whole concept of taking a knee came from, mm. it started with Colin Kaepernick when he was the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, during preseason in 2016, he, the first couple of preseason games, he just would sit down at the bench and nobody really noticed him because the bench is off, off the like sideline and you've got million people yeah, and you've got these huge men standing in front of you. Mm. No one really noticed it. Um, a few people may have said something about it. His reaction at the time was to quote him. He says, I am not going to stand up and show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color. He mm. planned on, he was just going to sit out on the bench during the national anthem all that time. And it, the, the idea of taking a knee actually came from a man named Nate Boyer. He was a military veteran and a National Football League player, a former player. And he advised him. He said, look, 
you know, Colin, you need to just take a knee. It's more respectful to do that mm. than to As sit down. As a veteran, down. he said, okay. Yeah. So that was what he started to do. And uh, it, he began kneeling the first time on September the 1st of 2016. Mm. It caught fire in the media. Mm -hmm. People who were all about it were all excited. They were like, yeah, this is a great opportunity. Then you had the other side that were like, look, this is game. This is football. It's not about politics. This isn't your place to start making. But he has a platform. And yes. that's the benefit for if you're high profile or profile enough, you have a platform where you can reach millions of people. So right. why not use it? Right. And and it actually wasn't the first time. It was the first time a knee had been taken. But mm. even in the, what was it, the 64 Olympics, I think, that were in Mexico City. Is that uh, what the... Yeah, Fist, the two, yeah, yeah, two yeah. men from America that won, I think the it was, was the it gold, gold and bronze yeah. or silver or something. There were three people standing at the medal mm -hmm. podium like they always do. Two of them were black that were from America. And then during the national anthem, instead of putting their hand over their heart, mm. they put their hand, their fist Fist's up in the it, air yeah. as a, as a uh, black power mm. gesture. Um, you know, so that's obviously different than, than the taking the needed. That's more about... You know, Kaepernick was doing it as a, because of social injustice, because of police brutality. And it kind of falls, I think, maybe along the same lines. It all comes back around to not wanting to be oppressed anymore. Right. And acting or symbols through action to show that, hey, we are human. We're human, too, because I mean, we all are. Right. You know? Right. Okay, sorry, I so just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, and that's that's exactly the the thing is it's it's it is a political movement as far as as far as uh you know that it makes a political statement. Mm -hmm. But you know, it was from an athlete. It was it's from other athletes because after he started to do it, many other people started to join him and it became like I said a firestorm. You know, people that were on the right you know, they were all upset about it because that's disrespectful. Some veterans came out and said, yeah, we don't like that he's doing it. You know, we fought for that flag. And then others were like, look, that's the whole reason we fought for the flag was right. to give him the right to be able to protest right. that he believes something is wrong. He feels in his heart that he needs to make this statement. That's exactly for his constitutional rights. That's why we fight is to give him the right to do this. But, you know, also... I think, too, with him doing that and using the anthem as a way to showcase, do you think maybe he was saying, too, that, you know, this is supposed to be America for all, our, all of us, our country, but it's hard to feel included when a certain portion of people are systematically, in any which way possible, oppressed? So, I mean, it is a matter of perspective, I guess, because, yes, there's some people who are going to turn around and say, well, yeah, that's disrespectful what he's doing. But it's, isn't it disrespectful, too, when people are being violated left and right based on appearance? Yes, there's sometimes that could be appearance that may equal the judgment that's formed. But most of the times, as we're seeing, it's not. It's just giving people a reason to oppress others, which isn't right, you know? Right. And just like 
it, it, it seems like this stuff all goes around and comes around and it turns on itself and, and you know, comes back again, just like you say. Th- that was in 2016. Mm. Um, it was because of police brutality. It was because of social injustice. Then it kind of went away for a little while. And then you hear about another person and then another person and another person. And then it all exploded again in the midst of uh, this year with being shut in, the COVID you know, 19 stuff, no one, a lot of built up tensions and people upset about that. And then the incident with George Floyd happens and it was a powder keg. Well, it catapulted it back into the frame, the foreframe, what Colin Kaepernick, actually very brave of him to do when you think about it. Because even when that was happening back then, I remember our conversation, we talked about how, oh, this is really a big step for him to do that. But is he the right person to do it? And right. the reason I, I was feeling that way, and you can speak to how you were feeling, I just wondered, well, is he high profile enough? Because, I, you know, when you, I guess if you're like, say, Mahomes, the MVP, speaking of how they got together, he did and some of the other players of color got together and put out a video and within 24 hours, the commissioner was, was backing him up. Before right. that, hadn't said a word about it. So, right. I mean, with Colin, he at the time obviously wasn't in that position with Mahomes. And do you think maybe that's why he got, he was made the scapegoat in the end? You know, you probably know, because when he did it, mm-hmm. when, when Kaepernick did it, there were other players who had taken knee. There were there mm-hmm. were players on his team, players mm-hmm. on other teams, mm-hmm. but there weren't very many, and mm-hmm. it wasn't a united front. I don't right, think. Right. And this time, which is what's different now. Yeah, with this George Floyd thing, like you say, there was a video that was that was produced. You could tell each player. There was, a, I think, six of them. I can't remember now, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, several mm-hmm. players that mm-hmm. were all high profile players in NFL, including the reigning NFL champion yeah. MVP, yeah. Patrick Mahomes. The, He's got the, some power there. The, the face of the league yeah. now. He, he. Considering most of the players are black. Right. As well. Exactly. And, and having the face of the league who you want to ride his coattails for the next 10 years mm. as an NFL organization. And he's coming out in this video and saying, look, you know what? It's time. Mm. It's time for black lives to matter. It's time for there to be equality. There's time to be just time for justice. All the players that said that it was a really powerful video the way they did. It Mm -hmm. was a very powerful statement because the NFL in the past, they've been like, well, if they're going to do it. okay." They kind of play the good guy in terms of they don't want. Right. They don't want um, any negativity. Right. So, so they just show face for when whatever. President Trump the brand, came into protecting office, the brand. He said, remember what his comments were is like if any player uh, takes a knee during the national anthem, they need to be fired. They need to be released from the team. Mm. And that wasn't going to happen. Mm. NFL teams aren't going to do that. Now, Kaepernick did after the 2017. They made he him the scapegoat. He was the scapegoat. Yeah. He hasn't played since. Gosh, you that's know, so good. But four, th- four, well, three years, and he hasn't played. But the irony through all of that, it's come full circle, and it was like he was right, <laughs> really. Right. He was right. Right. And uh, now, because of the fact that you had high-profile players that made that video, like you, you alluded to a mm. while back, within a day, Roger Goodell, <laughs> the commissioner of the NFL, from his home, released a, a video mm. that he had made that said that the NFL stands behind their players and 
if they want to protest, if they want to make a statement, that, that, that the NFL stands behind them. But do, do you think, though, do you think it's genuine? Well, I think that he didn't have a choice. So that's what, so, so do you think it's genuine? You have however many players there were, six, I think, maybe eight in that video. Mm. The highest profile players you have, all stars in their own right, and the face of the league. But I get that. Of the future. You can't look at him and say, hey, Pat, we're not doing this. We're not going to stand behind you. So that's, but that's my thing. Do you, do think, you believe it? I do think you it believe it's all about star power. I, I get that portion. Right. Of course it was. But right. do you, do you, when I say genuine, I'm not saying the players. Obviously, it's genuine for them. They, I mean, I'm talking about the commissioner. Do you think when he put out his statement to say, hey, we stand by you, brother mm -hmm. to brother, mm -hmm. do, you do you think that was genuine, Well, his statement? Or, he, or it was about protecting the brand, damage control? Well, that's, that definitely could be part of it because when you look at their response, the official response that there has been mm -hmm. up to this mm -hmm. point, it had been lukewarm at best mm, mm. about protesting. It, they, it was happening. But like Jerry Jones, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, he was like, nobody on my team is going to do that. Oof. He had a direct really? stand. He was like, you're not doing that with, on my team. Uh, you know, other owners have had things that they've had to say about it. Coaches, you know, have been asked about it. And I think it's always been kind of lukewarm. It's kind of been, well... You know, if that's but, if that's what they feel, then you have to respect it. Now it's it's the it's the the party line for the league. It, they're going to let them do it, and it'll be interesting. Well, to they see. have to. Yeah, it will be interesting to see on opening day. Uh, you know, first um, you know games of the NFL season this year. Well, first of all, it's going to look a lot different because empty stadiums, like in every other mm -hmm. uh, sports, sports. Yeah. since this this pandemic. But it will be really interesting to see how the NFL players, which are a majority of the players in NFL like are black. 75% yeah. of if, NFL yeah, players Yeah, if every black person black that played in the NFL color. that decided, I'm not playing out of protest, there would be no games. Right. You wouldn't have it. You couldn't feel the team. But then that's what makes me wonder. Look, at least I'm glad that they decided to say, yes, we stand by you now. And it'll right. be interesting going forward to see what it, what it all they're going to do to stand by the players. Like, I'm, more things can be done. You know, obviously, taking a knee is a powerful statement. Um, like the premiership, Black Lives Matter, they've, they've put that on the jerseys of each, each team and each player. Obviously, before games, they were taking a knee to, to show that. And granted, it's different in the Premier League. You don't have the national anthem played before every single game. It's only international games. That you do that for? They play the the home, whatever the song is for, for that team. Depending on the team, our Liverpool right. have "You'll Never Walk Alone." Right. That's their official. So I mean, so we we play that. Yes. Okay. So for those of you that don't know, the <laughs> Premier League is the English Soccer League, right? Or correct. Football League that they would call it. Yes. There. That's that's uh, you know. That yeah. That's so in our home, that carries as much weight as the NFL or the MLB <laughs> or the NBA or anything else. Um, since my beautiful wife <laughs> is a diehard Liverpool fan and a former soccer player herself. And my and handsome husband is nutty for the Chiefs, yeah, which and, is and good. We're both nutty well, for our Well, here's the thing that you need to know, and I'm just going to do this as, a, as a, uh, a brag about you, is that if you don't know, my, my wife 
was not only a former soccer player, but she was a phenom in her own right. And she loves the game. She, I see pictures. I, w- I wasn't blessed enough to see her actually play. It was before we met. But I see photos of her and the intensity in which she played. You could just tell she was hell on wheels out there. <laughs> I wish I could have seen it. I wish you could have seen it too, but so it wasn't to be on that time that timeline in this life. It it but was something okay. that that helped her to ignite her passion for life for sure. And and knowing me, especially back then, if this was an option, we've taken a knee and stuff. I'm sure I would have done it, and and the girls would have done right. it as well. Right. Yeah. And so, anyway, getting back to. The, I, I wanted to take a little side note because you know every now and then you like well, to brag. You. you like to brag about your your significant other and your better half. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, get back to the to the um, to the knee to the protest to the making a statement. Um, there are people, and you see it online. You see the responses, the comments that are made, whether it's on Facebook or Twitter mm. or. Um, What's the other one I'm forgetting the name of? Instagram, probably. Instagram, yeah. yes. <laughs> that I, I, I'm there's really, so many different yeah, ones out and, there. And I'm not real savvy on any of that stuff, but I do know that reading a lot of the comments, there are a lot of people who are just like the ones who say, they're the same people who say, that happened 200 years ago, get over it. They're the same ones that are like, hey, this is not this is a game. It's not a political time. You don't need to be making a political statement. You know, if you take a knee, I'm not going to watch anymore. I'm not going to partake in the games. And to those people, I say goodbye. Exactly. Because I'm pretty sure they will. Yeah. Because the thing is, is that, you know what? You're going to quit watching a game that you love because a player in his heart or in her heart truly believes that, this is something that needs to be done to raise awareness for equal rights, equal rights for, for <laughs> the, the, for the, the, the people of color who play most of these games, who are your professionals in most of these games. Well, be, well, because the thing is it can't, it can't, and it shouldn't matter only that a person would care about how another person is treated. If they're catching touchdowns, if they're swinging a golf club, if they're hitting a racket and hitting that ball, if they're kick, kicking a football, you know what I mean? Like, right. it should matter all the time. And it almost makes me feel like people are afraid. The fear of not enough. Like, I'm getting mine before you get yours. There is enough. There is absolutely enough for everybody to be on equal footing. Right. And to, to expand on what you were saying, you know, yeah, it shouldn't be enough that we should only be looking at our athletes, our, our musicians, our singers, yeah. our actors, uh, TV, you know, artists, m- writers, yeah, it entertainers. It should just be that, that those people that are in those professions should be taken care of financially, should be taken care of socially. It's the guy who picks up your garbage off the curb every week. It's the person that you go through the drive-thru and they give you your food. Uh, it's the person who cleans your house. Yeah. All of those people, regardless of what they do, regardless of where they come from and how much money they make, you know, they should be treated with the dignity and the compassion that you would treat anyone, including yourself, your children, your family. 
I mean, absolutely. I mean, I agree with that 110%, but something just popped into my head as you were talking, and a question about NFL. Like, where do you think they're going to go from here when the season starts with the new? Do you think that they're going to do what the MLB did in terms of trying to pacify both sides, I guess, by doing, like, taking a knee before the anthem and then playing the anthem after? Do you think that, do you think that, do you, what do you think with that? Because, I mean, that's interesting to me because I know it's based on perspective, obviously, but sometimes people might look at that or there may be some people who will look at it and be like, well, wait, okay, you were trying to obviously come up with a solution whereas people can protest, as is the right to do, and then also we can not disrespect the flag. You know what I mean? But that's how the whole movement or part of the movement came about. Being so like voiced was through taking that knee while the anthem was playing. What do you think? Um, I think that you can't please everybody. <laughs> right. There's going to be somebody who's going to have their... What do you say? Have your knickers all in a bunch? Is that what you say? <laughs> knickers in a twist. In a twist. <laughs> in a knicker, somebody's going to have their knickers in a twist because you're going to do something that they don't like. Mm. You, if they try to do it to please both sides of the argument and they try to do what the Yankees and the Nationals did, you're going to have people who are hardcore on the side of social justice uh, protesting against the police brutality, mm -hmm. economic rights, all that, that are going to not be happy because they're going to be like, well, look, they're still standing for the national anthem. Mm -hmm. And that's a national anthem that, to, to me, as a person who's been oppressed, is offensive. Mm. That's the whole thing Kaepernick was saying. Was, exactly. I'm not going to stand and honor a flag that represents a nation who treats people like me of color differently yeah. like dirt yeah that's was his whole meaning in the beginning so i think that 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 side there will be people who are very hardcore with that that aren't going to be happy with it and then the people on the other side of the argument that don't think there should be any type of uh, acknowledgement made during a game that aren't going to be happy because they've done it mm. before the national anthem so mm -hmm. It's like a damned if you do, damned, damned if, if you, you don't. don't. I think that they're going to try their best because they realize the NFL as in they. The NFL realizes that they cannot ignore this. No. no. But the, that's the, the, the players won't allow it. The, right. The players won't allow it. I don't, the humanity probably won't allow it. Right. Because I think that's why I believe there's been such an uptake and a turn in the way people think, because I was thinking about this the other day, and like I mentioned to you, you know, for those of you who do know me or don't, you don't know me, I watch Murder, Death, Kill, I call it, Investigation Discovery Channel. Right. Granted, I haven't been able to watch it a lot recently. It's been really busy or whatever. But for the most part, watching, watching that stuff, you always hear of the aftermath of somebody being murdered, or there'll be actors who portray what happened but you will never actually see a murder. And there's obviously some portion of our populations around the world who have witnessed a murder. But I think with George Floyd, what you saw for the first time 
was a group of people worldwide together watching a murder before your eyes. Like, I can speak for myself and say that I've never seen anybody murdered before until I watched that video. And I think there were a lot of people who were in the same shoes as me. And I think that's why it's so powerful. And people are demanding, you know, a change. Because, you know, you normally see, maybe you might see something before, or you might see the aftermath, you right. know, the body or something. And so this time there was a murder committed before our eyes. So I think it's, that's right. why it's so powerful. Right. There, has to, there, ha there have to be changes. You know, to, to go along with what you are just saying, you said, you know, the, the programs that you watch, they're done for drama. They're done for entertainment to show, you know, this was the person's motive. This is why they did it. You know, it's just a step above a murder mystery show. Mm -hmm. It's just showing real life what happened. But you, like you say, you don't see the actual act. Mm -hmm. um, for most of us, we've never seen a person killed. No. Uh, unless it's been like footage of a war uh, you know, you see somebody get shot or blown up or whatever. And it's, there's kind of a disconnect with that, I think, because most of the time that's in a land far away. It's a people that we don't know. And during a war, it's more of a us versus them. And you see it happen and you think, like, well, it's too bad those people died. But th I think there's a disconnect there. Mm. In this case, this was Minneapolis, Minnesota. This was part of America. Mm -hmm. This was like if it happened in Kansas City or if it happened in Topeka or if mm -hmm. it happened anywhere nearby. Mm -hmm. You know, part of America. This was a man that looked like many other men that you'll see out on the street. He was a gentle giant. He, he was an everyday person. And like somebody giant. that you may be friends with, somebody you may work with. And to see this man being on the ground not resisting and just the just the pain that you hear out of his voice and, and to know that this man's gonna die you know i remember when mikey came up to me i was working late he said dad have you seen that video and I was the like, next morning he came yeah the, what video are you talking about he goes well the police killed a man last night and i said what what are you talking about and he started to talk to me about it and that for us in this family, you know, and for this nation, was where a lot of what we're dealing with now, it began. You know, not that it was the first time that that had ever happened, because it's not, but it, you know, like you say, there was something different about it. Well, even, I can speak to what my husband's saying, because for those of you who don't know him, he is, you know, he has a heart of gold, he has a good heart, and he has a peacekeeper by nature. That's his equilibrium equilibrium and you the power of what happened with George is a stepping stone to even why we're even doing this podcast in itself because my husband found his voice and was like enough's enough I'm married to someone who is of color I have a son who is of color and I know these people these human beings and their love, you know? So I know if he can find his voice in that way, and I know that there's many other people too who have found their voice in that way, if you're on the fence about it, any little bit helps. 
speaking your mind and your opinion in a way that can help awaken the consciousness so that it's a collective consciousness of positivity, changes, and strength in that regard, and not of negative thoughts that are going to keep this circle going of oppression, you know? Yeah, um, you know, my, my stance on it has been, you know, that, yeah, there are a lot of horrible things that happen, and but because I don't like to make ripples, because I don't like confrontation, really, I've always mm. been like, well, those are horrible things, but that's for somebody else to do. I, what am mm. I going to do? I drive a truck. How am I going to change anything? Then that look in Mikey's eyes and seeing how it was affecting him and then talking to you and seeing how it affected you. And then actually, I didn't want to watch the video because mm. I had already heard about it and I just didn't want to see it. But, but morbid I finally, cow me. Yeah, but then you finally <laughs> were like, look, you need to see this. And yeah. I watched it. There was a saying, an old saying that came to mind, and it is, you know, all that is needed for evil to triumph is for a good man to do nothing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing nothing long enough. Now, I don't know what my voice will do. You know, I, for, and you know, I've stayed away from social media for quite a while. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a Twitter account. I didn't have a, um, I keep forgetting what it's called. Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> yeah. See, I can tell you how much I don't know about it. <laughs> I did have a Facebook account, but I had not gone to it. Yeah. You know, but sporadically every now and then. When this all happened, it kind of, I kind of, it lit a fire inside of me. I could tell. Yeah. And, you know, and I've said, I've said this and, and, you know, I'm not trying to, to come to you as knowing the peril and, and the, the life that a black man or a black woman or a black child has to deal with in this life. I am married to a woman of color and I have a son. We have a son mm -hmm. who, is, who is a young man of color. And I do experience things just through your guys' lives that I experience with you together. Mm -hmm. and, and that's some of the things that we've talked about. You know, that's, that was the whole idea behind this podcast was to, to look at life through our lenses as a couple and what we see together. Mm -hmm. You know, things that we've experienced and things that we just notice by just watching the news, watching the events the news that are happening to around. us. Mm -hmm. And, 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 you know, and then in this case, you know, the things that Mikey sees, mm -hmm. you know, the things that he's experiencing and, you know, I can say, and, and this, this just to me tells me how different it is for him. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I was married once before. I have four children from that marriage. Mm -hmm. I never once, and the thought never crossed my mind with any of them when they would go to a friend's house, when they go ride their bike, when they go anywhere, it never occurred to me to tell them, Hey, you know, mm -hmm. be really careful. Mm. I mean, you would say out of a loving well, father, yeah, you know, I, Hey, dr you ride your bike safely. His ex-wife was Caucasian. Yeah. And, and, biological and so, children you know, my Caucasian. four older children are all white mm -hmm. and, you know, I, it never occurred to me that they're going to grow up one day and when they're driving, 
that they're going to be judged on their appearance. There's going to be an altercation because of the way they look. And now with Mikey, I see things in a different light. Mm. And I want for him to be able to, when he becomes old enough to drive, to get in a car and go anywhere he wants to go. And as long as he is obeying the rules of the, of the road and his license is up to date and all that stuff, that, that everything's going to be fine. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't want him to have to worry. I want him to be able to live in a world where he doesn't have to worry about that stuff. And and that's that's the thing and what the country was founded on and built on is that we're all equal and should be treated equally. So, you know, we all have a right to protest peacefully and to express ourselves freely. So taking a knee should not be a problem. Right. Take, so... So taking a knee should not be a problem. It, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. People view it as a political protest. It's not really a political protest. It's a. It's a. Uh, a protest of, we want to be treated the same. Give right. us the same rights that you have. Treat us the same as you are treated. It goes back to the golden rule: as treat others the way you want to be treated. If we all did that, this world would be way different. Exactly. You know, it's, it's about love. Exactly. And about compassion. Exactly. So I guess that's, that's my take on taking a knee. And same, same here. And then that's my take too. Basically just giving us an opportunity to express ourselves in a way where that we're viewed all as equal. Because, I mean, we are all really human beings, equal human beings. We have gifts inside that we come here to give to the world. And that's, what, that's what the focus should be. Right, right. It should be. It should be politics. It should just be about who we are. So I guess that's it for this episode. I want to thank you for listening. And, again, hopefully it's not too horrible of a of a, uh, <laughs> you know, recording for you. Uh, if you want to contact either one of us, you can reach us on uh, Instagram or Twitter on Bruce underscore A. Williams and Pamela Seven Williams. This podcast is supported by us, but we'd love to get your support too. Subscribe, give us a review, and help us bring our message to humanity. See you next time. Bye-bye.